more than perfect, a more than perfect wedding for my son. And he was talking about his son and how proud he was of him and how delighted he was to not have lost his son, but to have brought in a new daughter into the family. And he was just glowing and beaming as the father of the groom as he talked about uh, his son and about his new daughter-in-law. And as I was hearing him talk, I just felt and just enjoyed, reveled in the delight that he had for these two people who meant so much to him. And as I was thinking about that this morning, I began to think about what is it that makes a father so proud and that lights up his face. And then I begin to realize that our father in heaven delights in two things above all else. He delights in his son and he delights in the bride of his son who will one day be betrothed to given to him in a wedding ceremony for the ages. I realize that the heart of the father in heaven longs for the glory of his son, Jesus and for the beautification of his bride, the church. Today, I want to talk about and delight in the two things that our Father in heaven delights in, possibly more than anything else in the world, his son Jesus and Jesus' bride, the church. I want to boast about and talk about what it is that we are a part of this. And, and later, as we hear testimonies, we will continue to hear that. Uh, last week, about we, uh, two weeks ago, is that a church planting conference and a pastor named Brian Houston, pastor of the Hillsong Church in Australia and throughout the world was talking. And as he was talking, he said something that kind of jarred my attention, simple, yet so compelling and so inspiring. And he said, Hillsong Church has not been built on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of the many. He said, their church, my church, is not built upon the talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of the many. And I began to think, and I began to dream, and I said, that's the kind of church that Jesus wants us to be. That's the kind of church I dream for us to be. A church that is not marked by, built upon the talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of the many. By definition, a sacrifice means that I am choosing to forego something in order to give for the sake of another cause. And the other cause, the other thing that we are called to sacrifice for is for the church of Jesus Christ. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, if you consider yourself a member, a committed follower, a committed disciple, then there ought to be evidence as seen in a willingness to willingly forego certain earthly pleasure in order that you might make sacrifices for the sake of the church of Jesus Christ. Is our church, I'm not talking about everybody else, but in your life, harvester, your life, disciple of Christ, could it be said of you that you are one of the many upon whose sacrifice this church is being built. The church is not built. It is not grown through the talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of the many. What kind of sacrifice does that look like? I want to look at Acts chapter 4 and read verses 32 through 37. 
And to look at a picture of what it looks like, look at a picture of what the church could be when they're willing to embrace this call on the many to make sacrifices for the sake of a cause bigger than their own lives. This is God's word, Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. This is the early church in Jerusalem, the first church, the beautiful church, the great church. This is God's word. It says, all the believers, okay, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon all, upon them all. There were no needy persons among them for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is God's word. What does it look like? What does it mean for the people of God to sacrifice? What kind of sacrifice did they make? What makes a great church? Uh, Three thoughts that I want to show from here. The first thing, what kind of sacrifice, what kind of people are great churches built upon? They're built upon people who... It's the first thought, they give their earthly treasure so that others could be blessed and to secure heavenly treasure. Okay, great churches are built upon people who give their earthly treasure so that others can be blessed, to bless others so that they might secure an eternal reward. I You know, for for whatever reason, I cannot escape this idea of treasures in heaven. We've been talking about this for like five weeks now. We're talking with our shepherds. Uh, One of our guys, Albert, was saying, you know, we've been talking about this idea for quite some time. And again, uh, it shows up here. Look at what it says. All the believers, one in heart and mind, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. Nobody in the church said, hey, this is mine. You can't have any of it. They said, hey, you want some? Go ahead, take it, take it. Hey, if the church needs it, go ahead and and have it. As a result, 34 says, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. This is crazy stuff. It's like people would take their assets. They would take their homes. And they would liquidate that. They get $500,000 cash. They've got half a million dollars. They're sitting on it. What do you do with half a million? What would you do? All of a sudden, you get half a million dollars. It says they liquidated their assets, their houses, lands, whatever it is. They took that money. And they went off on a distant island, built a little bungalow and retired. And they died on that island. Not the early church. They took that half a million dollars, they bought a Corvette, got into their midlife crisis, and they drove off into the sunset. They sold their houses and lands, half a million dollars, they took it and whatever you want to do with it. They bought a jet, and they flew from vacation home to vacation home to vacation home, and they lived happily ever after. 
they took their lands or houses, sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. They said, here, I'm giving this to you because there's people who need it a whole lot more than I need that extra land, than I need that extra house. And that was the culture of the early church. This is sacrificial generosity. When the government says you got to do this, it's socialism. It's communism. But when the gospel compels you to do it, it's compassion. It's gospel-driven sacrifice. And that marked the church. From time to time, another guy would come up and say, hey, uh, I I had an extra house. I sold it. Here's the money. I know there's people who need it. Can you give it out? Can you distribute it? And they gave of their earthly treasure so that others could be blessed. And as a result, they could secure eternal treasures in heaven. I, I talked with our house church shepherds. I, I mean, we, we had our meeting last night and a uh, great time always. And they're sharing. And, and to shepherd the flock of God is not easy. It's hard work. And sometimes my My heart goes out to them for what they do, the sacrifices they make. But as they share, I always think that's another treasure in heaven for them. They will never lose that reward for all that they give. Giving of their time, their treasures, their wealth, their resources in order that other people might be blessed. And in so doing, they're securing treasures in heaven this is what people were doing they looked around they said there's people who are needy they 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 cashed in and they said here can you give it to whomever needs it and i think about this idea and i think we need to have an eye towards heaven often when we think about this idea of sacrifice and this early church they didn't think about all that they were losing when they gave they thought about all that could be gained in other people and in heaven can imagine there's a couple in, in, in heaven and this lady walks up to them. I don't know what we're going to look like in heaven, but maybe if they're the way that they remember on earth, she's an elderly lady and she's bringing her son along and they're so happy. And they come up to this couple and they say, excuse me. And the husband looks at the wife and says, do you know who she is? And she's like, I don't know who she is. And the, the, the lady says, I know you don't know who I am, but I asked Jesus and he directed me to you. There is a time when I'd been going out to church and then my husband died. I was a widow. I didn't have any money. And I didn't know how I was going to survive. In those days, women couldn't work. The only job was to sell themselves into slavery or into prostitution, whatever it would be. But their husband dying, a widow, means you're a ticking time bomb ready to go home soon. If you don't have assets, your home will be taken, your children taken to be sold into slavery so you can pay off your creditors. And so she goes to church, and and hypothetically, I was there. My husband died. I had nothing left. And so I gave up hope, wondering how I'm going to survive with my son. And then one day, somebody knocks on my door, and I'm I'm, I'm almost certain that it's going to be someone taking my children away. And then I realize that it's somebody from the church, and they say, someone from our church has sold their land. And they gave this money and said, give it to those in need. And, And we're going from house to house, widow to widow, and we're giving people money so that you could sustain a livelihood. And she said, because of that, I saw the beauty of the church. 
Because of that, I gave my life to Jesus. Because of that, my son gave his life to Jesus. Because you gave, that's why we're here. And as a husband and wife wipe away tears from their eyes, the wife says, I knew that we would not lose if we gave to the church. I knew that it would be worth it to make that sacrifice. Do you consider it worthy to sacrifice what you have been blessed with in order that others may be blessed in order that you might have treasures in heaven? I think about, I dream about what's going to happen through the buildings that are being built, through what God is going to do through our church. And I can imagine all the people, man, people that you're praying for, your coworkers that you're praying for, your classmates that you're praying for. A year later, imagine what's going to happen. A year later, we're worshiping in that building. The first time we have baptism service. I think about you walking up with your friend, holding the, the bowl of water as your friend is baptized. You think about your coworker you've been praying for, and then they went off to a new job, and, and yet you kept in touch. And you brought them out, and they came to hear the gospel one day. And they gave their lives to Christ. And, and I imagine your joy as you think about that, as we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think about what could happen in a year, all the people coming to know Jesus. I think about all the people that are going to rise up as disciples, all the new house churches that are going to be started, all of the eternal impact that's going to be made through what God does through that building. What would you do with half a million dollars? And I think that all of this is just a passing fancy, not even a thought, not even a dream, unless a widow from our Korean congregation received half a million dollars because her youngest son, doing the work of God in missions in Korea, serving the Lord faithfully, training pastors and leaders on his way to East Asia, Central Asia, South Asia, to train up more leaders in a land that is desperate for workers, entered into glory when the bus crashed outside of an airport in Korea. And through an insurance settlement, Mrs. Ye received half a million dollars. What would you do with half a million dollars? Go buy a house? Pay off your debt? I'm going to give this all to church, give it all, so that that building could begin the process of being built. What would you do for half a million dollars with half a million dollars? But here it is. There are people whose soul cannot be measured with money. But if even one person can come into the kingdom of heaven through what I offer, then it's worth it. The church is built upon the back of sacrificial people who are willing to believe that what I do makes a difference here and now, but is also storing up for me treasures in heaven. The first thing that we see here, what makes a church great? What kind of sacrifice marks the people of God for willing to give of our earthly treasures in order that others might be blessed so that we could secure treasures in heaven? The first thing. Second thing, they're happy to be nobodies just as long as they point everybody to somebody. Are you willing 
to be a nobody for the kingdom of God? Or do you need the praise and the recognition and the applause of people who see what you do? Who was it that gave uh, verse 32? All the believers, no one claimed their own. Verse 34, there are no, it doesn't say anybody's name until we get to the end of the passage. It doesn't say, it doesn't have this list of people who sold. It just says they gave. And that's the way Luke is happy to record it. Because the church is built upon people who are willing to be anonymous in order that one name and his name alone, your name will be sung louder than any other name. And they're fine, and they're not just fine with it, they want that to be true. They don't need the approval of people. They don't need people to say, that was great of you to do that. They just say, hey, I just want Jesus to be glorified. I just want him to be honored and I can just slip out the back door. And as long as that happens, your eyes are fastened upon him, then I'm happy. This is the kind of sacrifice that the early church had. They're happy to be nobodies so long as everybody could be pointed to somebody. They realize that they're part of something so much bigger than themselves. And sometimes we get this idea that we're like the biggest thing. And if that ever becomes, a, that's why, you, you know, Francis Chan. That's why Francis Chan left his church. He said, at my church, I'm more famous than Jesus. He said, if I'm not there at church, people are not going to come to worship. He said, I knew it was time for me to leave when I became more famous than Jesus at my church. He's saying, listen, no one is, when an individual becomes greater than the whole, there's going to be problems for that whole. When I was doing, a, when I was a youth pastor here, uh, we had a, I remember there was like 30 of us that went out for, I forget what the event was, but it was some kind of a, a thing, some kind of a cause. We we're serving something or other, and there's about 30 of us there. And at the end of the time, we wanted to kind of document this, and so uh, we were all sitting in, 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 a, uh, in three rows and, and taking pictures. Someone took a picture, and you know, like, we need to have pictures. It's important. Everyone wants to document that. We do that every Thanksgiving. We have a big church picture, and, and it's important because we want to see who's there and, and all that stuff. But we don't really enjoy the process of taking pictures because it takes a long time. You know, someone's breathing down my back, and how long is it going to take? Why is the flash taking so long? And, oh, it's hot, and all of these. And no one really likes doing it. And so we're sitting there, about 30 people, and, and the picture is taken, and this one girl in her high heels like barely, like, like tipping over as she, she runs. It's like, wait, wait, everybody, wait, everybody, wait. She looks at the camera, and she looks at the picture. She said, no, 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 erase it. She said, erase it really loud and creative. She said, chiwa, erase it. And then she said, everybody stay, everybody stay. We have to do it again. So I'm thinking, what happened? Was, you know, hit, hit the photographer's finger over the camera lens? Was uh, someone cut off from the picture? Was everyone's eyes closed? What happened? And she said, I look ugly in that picture. I said, I didn't say this, but I thought to myself, girl, what's wrong with you? Ain't nobody looking at you. It's not a, I mean, it's not about you. It's about this, right? It's so much bigger than just one person who thinks they didn't look good because their hair was covering their eyebrow. Are you kidding me? Anytime an individual becomes greater than the whole there's problems, right? Brian Houston said this. That's why Destiny's Child fell apart. Why? Because Beyonce got too big. Every band, you know this. Justin Timberlake is bigger than NSYNC. The Jackson 5, how cool were they? But Michael Jackson dwarfs all of them combined. There's, and that's why Kobe Bryant, the last game he played, everyone praising Kobe. Kobe. 
Olivia and I DVR'd it. We woke up the next morning early. I was joking around. We, we watched Kobe's last game for a quiet time that morning. I'm just kidding. But we're watching Kobe Bryant play. They said he shot the ball 50 times. He scored 60 points, a classic Kobe Bryant game. It was a classic Kobe Bryant game in the sense, except for the one fact that the Lakers actually won. 60 points, you chuck the ball up 50 times. Hopefully some of those shots are going to go in, you can get 60 points. And thus culminated the worst season in the history of that storied franchise. Why? Because sometimes some people, individuals think that they're bigger than the whole. This is what happens when we fail to realize that the church is not about us. It's not about us. You don't get your way. Hey, it's not about you. It's not about your name. It is about Jesus. A couple weeks, uh, three weeks ago, I was coming into church, dropping uh, Manny off at Korean school, and, and I saw Mrs. Yeh, and she said, you know what? Uh, she said, Pastor, I, I just really want this to be, this building. I just want it to be done, and I want people to know Jesus. But I would prefer that my son's name be just taken off of the whole thing. I don't want anyone to think that it's about that. It's about him. Can you tell Harvest? And so this is, this is what she wanted me to say. It's not about one or two people. It's not about five or six people. It's about the whole church being willing to make sacrifices so that the name of Jesus could be honored. Are you a committed member of our church? Are there sacrifices being made? Do you long for the name of Jesus to be exalted through our church in the world? That's the second thing. The last thing. The last thing that sacrifice looks like is they serve whatever way they can, not just whatever way they want to. They serve whatever way they can, not just whatever way they want to. You know, there are some of us who will only serve the way we want to serve. You know, maybe I'll take out the trash five years ago, but now... I'm 40 years old. I'm serving in all these different ways. I can't do that anymore. No, I don't want to be part of that. If that's not, that's not the attitude that the church, that great churches are built upon. You know, if you've been around, you know that my four, uh, almost four-year-old son, Elijah, his favorite show is Paw Patrol. And I'm trying to, like, psychoanalyze Elijah. Try, why is it that he loves Paw Patrol so much? It's like uh, a bunch of dogs, like puppy dogs, who go on different missions to save Adventure Bay. There are a lot of shows like that. I think, what is it about Paw Patrol in particular? And as I was listening to the theme song, I began to realize what it is. There's one part in the song that says, no jobs too big and no pups too small. Paw Patrol, we're on a roll. No jobs too big. No pups too small. I realize the reason Elijah loves Paw Patrol is because it's about the church. (laughs) In the church, there's a willingness for people to say, no job is too big. No pup is too small. There is a can-do attitude about it. A guy can do this. It's hard. It's going to require sacrifice, but I can do it if God allows me to do it. 
If God opens a door, then I can do this. No job's too big, no pup's too small. We can do this. Is that the attitude that you have when it comes to serving God? The default of the church is, yeah, I can do it. I don't know how, but I can do it through the power of God working me. I can make it happen. The default was not, I cannot do that. I think a lot of us in the church, in the church in America today, have become so conditioned to want to change the world. I want to change the world, but we want to do it how we want to do it. From the comfort of our pajamas in the living room, clicking on buttons on a computer, right? Somebody said that. That these grand desires but we don't want to do anything because it might be too difficult for us to do. But what if we embraced the spirit of the church and said, you know what? No job's too big. No pup's too small. I can do this if the Lord allows me to. You know what the beautiful thing about the church is? It's the reverse is true also. No job's too small and no pup is too big. That I'm not too big for this. I'm not above these things. There's nothing too small for me to do. I'll do whatever it takes. That's the attitude that the church had, and that's why the church began to thrive and to flourish and to dominate the Roman Empire within three centuries of Jesus ascending into heaven. There's a power there. There's a willingness to make sacrifices that I think the anemic church throughout the world today is unwilling to do. I think that's a sad reality. There are a lot of churches that are not willing to make sacrifices for the sake of things that matter for eternity. Verse 36 talks about Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. The apostles called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Let me stop here for one second. What does it mean that Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, what does that mean? A Levite, as you may know, in the Old Testament times, was one of the 12 tribes of Israel and the only one who could serve in the temple of God. It was a priestly line. And so here, Levite, Joseph, is born. Born to serve in the temple. He's a Levite from Cyprus. Cyprus means that he was born outside of Israel, means he was a Hellenist which means that he was a Jew born outside of Israel, meaning that he is rendered unable to serve in the temple because he's a foreigner. Here's Joseph, born to serve in the temple. And yet when he seeks that opportunity, they say, you can't do it. What would you do if the one thing you were born to do, you couldn't do? If you couldn't preach the gospel to people you wanted to, if you couldn't extend hospitality the way that you were born to do, if you couldn't lead praise, if you couldn't preach a sermon, if you couldn't cook a meal for people the way that you were born to do, what would you do if you couldn't do that? I think a lot of us would say, okay, forget this. I'm out of here. I'm not going to do this. But look at what it says he he did. He sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. He said, if I can't do what I want to do, then I'm going to do whatever I can do. What an attitude of sacrificial, just surrendering his dreams 
in order that the dreams of the kingdom might come alive. And all of these people were sacrificing their dreams. They had homes, they had lands, they had futures, but they bankrupted all of that. They're willing to give up the American dream in order that kingdom dreams could be born, that lives could be changed, and the church could go forth in power. This is what it is to give of ourselves. And some of us only want to serve in ways that we want to serve. But we don't look for that attitude of whatever I can do for the sake of church, whatever I can do, I'm going to leave that to somebody else because it's too big for me, it's too small for me, I can't do that, let someone else do that. But the early church looked around and they saw needs and they said, I can meet these needs. This is why, y'all, it's so important that you read the insert of your bulletin, the letter that I write. I write about opportunities for you to serve. That's why it's important that you come on time for worship so that you can hear about the ways that you can sacrifice for the sake of your church and you can encourage your house church members and your friends to do that. A lot of people want to serve, but you're like, I didn't know that was happening. Why not? (laughs) That's not our fault. It's, It's been in the announcements. It's been in the emails. It's been on the website. It's been on our social media. We have no excuse except the fact that we don't want to come on time for whatever reason. Our senior pastor and other, other people said, announcement time in, for the Israelites. If they didn't know, hey, y'all, at 2 o'clock in the morning, we're leaving Egypt, you got to roll. If they didn't hear that announcement, they'd be stuck in slavery. Now, you've got to know what's going on because for a lot of us in here, the next step in your discipleship is for you to get involved in serving in a way that you did not dare to believe you could do before. It's not just, I need to be ready. No, part of it is that is what God is calling you to do in the next season of your discipleship and growth, to take a step of faith. No jobs too big, no pups too small, no job too small, no pups too big. Not just how you want to, but any way that you can. Where did they get this idea? To lay down, to give everything up in order that others might be, they got it from, from Jesus. They see in Jesus a man who loved his church, loved the church like nobody else could. What kind of a person lays down his life for his brothers? What kind of a person lays down his life for his friends? What kind of a person lays down his life for his enemies? And they don't have the privilege of Ephesians 5 that tells us, husbands, lay down your life your wife as Christ did for the church. They don't have the the privilege of reading at the end of that, which says, I'm not actually talking about husbands and wives. Talking about Jesus and his church. Where did they get the idea? They saw Jesus sacrifice for his church. There must be something beautiful about that bride. They gave, and they gave, and they gave, and the church began to change the world. This week, we're hosting a a conference, pastor's conference. One of the blessings and the joys has been to see 
all of the different people of our church come together and to serve whatever ways, giving themselves to these pastors who are coming. It's sisters like Carmen Sanchez, who said a few weeks ago, Pastor, can you give me the names of the pastors who are coming? I want to pray for them. I want to cover them so that when they come, they will know the love of God and they'll know the power of God in their hearts. People like Carmen who are giving four days, morning until night, to stay at church Monday to Thursday, to help oversee the food, make sure that everything is going well, to plug people in. Hey, it might not be what I want to do, but I'm going to make myself available to do it. People like Casey Yeh who's saying, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, and she's got her hand in a bunch of different things in this, in this project. People like Janet Lee and Janet, Jen, Jenny Moon who are rearranging their work schedules. And Janet said yesterday, man, I worked like a dog this week. And I know that she worked like a dog this week so that next week it can be set up so that she can leave her dry cleaning so that she could be here to serve these people at the conference, to love them and to give herself to them. Jenny saying, I'm, I, I asked her, you know, what's it going to look like? She said, I'm just going to have to work ahead and change the way that I work. James Yeh changing his work schedule. The most busy wing shop in central Florida. So that morning and night, or maybe just in the evenings when it's busiest, he can do what he does for us with them to lead these men and women of God in the worship of God. People who, if it was asked of them, can you do this? No, I can't do it. But they made the time. They make the sacrifice in order to do it. People like Eugene Huang, who's coming right after work, after dealing with kids and teaching, coming and saying, I'm going to cook food in order that these people could be blessed. People like Sue Kim and Ginger Milheim, who are giving up of their time to love and to serve food to people. People like Betty Brown who said, I know, I'll understand if you don't need me, but I really just want to serve people there. Willing to give of their time in that way. People like Min Sun Kim texted me last week and said, DL, I'm (laughs) I'm going to take a day off work. What do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? I'm going to take off. Tell me what I can do. People like Gigi Butler and Gian Terrell put together welcome packages for everyone who comes so that when they walk into their hotel room, they'll have food and candy. People like Yun Gyung Lee who's making care packages, gift baskets for our speakers. Folks like Lindsay Lee and Yeti Han who will be writing handwritten notes, cards for every one of the 50 or so people who come. Daniel, you in the midst of the craziest week of seminary, and I'm going to take time, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to serve on the worship team. Daniel Kwok, our youth pastor, craziest week. And I'll give people rides to and from the airport. Bunch of people who are doing that. Brian Min coming after work. Said, I might be sweaty. I might be nasty. It's okay. Just come as you are. Willing to make the effort. Willing to make the sacrifice. Mark, Kim, Ryan Lee, every night coming, serving in our praise team, serving in different ways. Sean Wu be coming straight from work, said, what time do I need to come, Pastor? And with excitement, he said, I want to vacuum. I want to vacuum so that it'll be ready for the next day. What else do you need me to do? How else can I serve? I'm going to ask other people. I'm going to ask Jeff Lee might come also. What else can we do to thank you for letting me serve our church in this way? 
Chris Lee, Haley Lee, Gian Taylor, all these people giving rides, give up their time. I want to bless other people by making small sacrifices. May not be what I'm gifted to do, but whatever I can do, I want to do in order that the ministry of our church could go forward. Church is not built on the talents of a few, built on the sacrifice of the many. Our vision, guys, is not limited to this room. Literally, it reaches the world. So much bigger than a handful of people. We need you. We need you. We need you to be the hands and feet of Christ. Let's pray. (coughs) Just take a quick minute to pray right now. Say, Lord, what can I do? How can I make a sacrifice? Maybe in my finances, maybe in my time. Definitely, whatever it looks like, we have to make changes in our lives for the sake of a church that we love, for the sake of a mission bigger than your life. You're part of something so much bigger, so much bigger, to lose yourself in the greatness of God, to lose yourself for the sake of the kingdom so that the work of God might go forth. You're willing to make that sacrifice. Let's pray. Let's take a minute to, to say, Lord, Help me. Make a, pray, make a commitment right now. Not just say, I want to be available. But pray to the Lord and say, this is how I want to serve you. Maybe for some of you, it's saying, God, if next time available, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the plunge. I'm going to be a house church shepherd. I'm going to talk to DL. I'm going to see if that's something that is available. I want to serve our youth ministry. I don't want to make excuses anymore. I want to serve as I've been served. I want to get involved. I want to greet people. I want to give people an unforgettable first impression of harvest by standing at the door and welcoming people as they come. I want to get involved whatever way I I can in order that a church, our church, could go from a good church to a great church that lifts high the name of Jesus for the world to see. Take just a quick moment to pray. Make a commitment with resolve, say, Lord, here, here I am. Here's how I'm going to talk to my shepherd this week. I talk to our youth pastor this week. I talk to DL this week, and I'm say, this is how I want to get involved. Church is not built on the talents of few, but on the sacrifice of the many. And the more that sacrifice, the greater church will be. Let's pray for a couple moments. I'll pray for us, and then we're going to hear some testimony. Let's pray together. in heaven we've uh, heard your word we've seen the power of the church when the church is working right there's nothing like it in all of the world where our governments fail where our nations fail 
Will our universities fail? Will our libraries fail? Where all of these things will one day go to the graveyard of the earth. There's one thing that's eternal is the church. Stand forever. For all time, the glorious, beautiful, unconditionally loved, ugly at times, but loved, unfinished, undying, eternal bride of Christ. Father, we give ourselves to so many things that will be eaten by moths and destroyed by rust, stolen by thieves. Father, when we invest in the church, we never lose. Help us to believe that for the glory of your name. Now, Lord, by the grace of God and your Holy Spirit, let now your church shine bride just saw in your heart you offered up your life thank you so much we love you because you loved and died first for your bride church in jesus name we pray